Welcome, beautiful mama and blossoming baby bump. This is your host, Chrissy Long from Blissful Birthing, helping to transform the world one blissful birth at a time. Today's guest is Caroline Spears. Caroline Spears is a mother to four beautiful grown-up girls and a grandmother to two delicious little ones. She speaks Italian, thanks to an Italian husband, and German, which she's helped me with during my birth sometimes because I've got a German mum. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline has been an official doula for um, 16 years, but she's been helping women way before that. And she's also a placenta encapsulator. She has a placenta cabin that you can look up on Facebook or Instagram. She's a homeopath and nutritionist. Caroline provides VBAC support, which is vaginal birth after C-section, for those of you that don't know what that is. And she's been doing that since 92 to women and for women, sorry, that have been having C-sections beforehand, no matter how many C-sections. Yeah. And she has a lot of experience with water births, which is great because I had four and a few with you, didn't I? Um, Indeed. <laughs> she supports people if they've had a traumatic birth. She's a breastfeeding counsellor at the Leche League as well, a leader, in fact. She can help with optimal fetal positioning when pregnant. Um, and she's done things with Gail Tully with spinning babies. Um, she, I don't know how to pronounce this breathing technique you've been trained in. Buteo, how do you pronounce that? Buteco. Buteco. Yeah. Um, which is a technique to enable women to relax and welcome the surges during labor. Um, she's just a very talented woman. The homeopathic remedies Caroline makes are really cool because they're from the placenta, the umbilical cord, the vernix and the breast milk, which is really unique. I don't know many homeopaths that do that. Um, the thing that I also find super, super interesting about Caroline, which really caught my attention, is that she was, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you were the first woman in England to sue the NHS for a C-section that she had done against her will. She didn't that's want correct. to. That's correct. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. That's so I think it's fair to say that you're an activist for women's rights around birth and their bodily autonomy. And really, for all of those reasons and much more, Caroline was my doula for three of my births that I had in the UK. The only reason she wasn't there for the other two is because I was in Spain and Costa Rica because I specifically wanted a lioness by my side to protect me when I was at my most vulnerable and also obviously to help and support my husband, juggle everything. So Caroline, sorry this introduction is so long, but she literally <laughs> was my angel. She was brought to me through divine intervention, I think, or coincidence, whatever you want to call it, but I think it's divine intervention, through um, another pregnant lady that I met in a yoga class in Chichester 11 and a half years ago. And Caroline has literally changed the course of my first birth with Luca 11 years ago. And then, of course, because of that, the following four forever changed. Um, she is my inspiration and reason for doing blissful birthing. She's my guide, my coach. And my friend. So oh, <laughs> So, so happy to have you on my show. Welcome to Blissful Birthing. It's such um, an honour. <laughs> Thank you. Wonderful to have you here. And Caroline's such a dynamic grandmother. I just wanted to add on a personal note, she does weight training. How is that going? Um, it's slowed down a little bit, but I've been um, helping a neighbour with his garden and there are lots of big chunks of concrete and broken bricks. So I've been practicing with those, but I'm back in the gym proper tomorrow. Wow. So She's amazing. She lifts, <laughs> what do you lift sometimes? Like really heavy. Well, my, my top lift has been 101.5K, which Ooh. took a long time. So if anybody's thinking about it, it took a long time. I found the right trainer who understood my anatomy. And uh, yes, I did it. So I, and I think I might want to go higher. But that's in the future. <laughs> wow. That's not your average grandma. I'm sure you'll agree, everybody. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, she has a bee-friendly garden. I was just looking at your Facebook post thinking, wow, you're so, like, dynamic, you know? You've got looking after your bees and your flowers and then weightlifting, grandmother. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, so cool. <laughs> I, I know. You're not mainstream. No, and I didn't tell you, I'm now training in hypnotherapy so that I can add oh, that cool. to my support yeah. to, to women and really, under, really helping me to understand hypnobirthing as well mm -hmm. and how I can be an even better support. Wow. 
how that could be possible. But yeah, that's brilliant. That's fantastic. So I think I just want to start by basically this podcast, the intention of it really is to talk about Caroline's experiences with women over the years when she was, you know, has been a doula and how she's helped kind of empower them. So I want to start with what inspired you to become a doula in the first place? Do you know, it's that real combination of having a fascination for birth and reproduction as a child, but knowing that in those days you had to train to be a nurse and I knew I wasn't nursing material, um, through to my first birth and, and what happened with my first birth. And that threw me into, I thought I'd learned so much. And then of course the day came and what did I know? It just all went out of the window and I didn't have anybody to, to be my strength and guide. And I was too scared to ask in case I got turned down as well. It's, I, I contacted a few people, baby had turned breach. I'd spoken to a few who had said it was too late. Um, and then my waters broke so 37 weeks. So after the first birth, I learned so much. And of course I had practical experience. I used to train in assertiveness and discovered mm. that in labor, I couldn't be assertive. And that was a big shocker. So hmm. then my name was put out to other women because of the VBAC research I'd done and women were contacting me for support. And you know, it's back to in those days when we didn't have fa well, we had fax machines, but we didn't have the computer and the internet. So I'd get a phone call at two o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. I've been in labor for six hours, the midwives want me to go in. What do I do? And so doing lots of telephone support as well as photocopying and sending out information. Um, and ultimately, then realizing one lady I'd supported had a second cesarean for exactly the same reason as the first, which was caused by doctors and giving her petadine and her just completely losing her own whatever. Um, and so I was with her for the third baby. And of course, two cesareans in hospital, big panic, loads of staff piled in and loads of staff were very nicely asked to leave because they weren't wanted. And we had one midwife, two midwives, one was panicky. And I looked at this gorgeous lady and said, you okay with her? And she went, she's annoying me. She's annoying me. I don't want her here. And I looked at the midwife and I said, did you hear that? I'm really sorry, but you're not wanted. And the other midwife went, hmm, and if you're not wanted, then you've got to leave. <laughs> so then it was just... So the women who had her third baby naturally in hospital? Yeah, or... after two yeah. So did you become like um, after after you'd had a VBAC, which is the vaginal birth after cesarean, is that when people started finding you? They started finding me before I had my VBAC because I okay. was talking about the research that I was doing and that I was going to have a home birth. And right. I under, as, as I understand it, I was the first home birth after a cesarean in North London. And right. I, also had, I also had a water birth, which was also a first. So... My, yeah. my daughter was a trailblazer in the way she chose to go, get herself birth. Yeah. yeah. So the reason you had a C-section the first time was because your daughter was breech. And yes. it early, early, 37 weeks should be on time. should be fine though, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. So what, they, they forced it upon you and you didn't argue because you didn't know how to be assertive at your most vulnerable I time? I didn't know how to be assertive. I tried and I was, because I said, because she turned at 36 weeks, so it's next to no oh. time to do the research. And I had said all along, I really want, you know, I planned a home birth, I still want to do that. Um, but when I went into the hospital, I was told that I had no choice and that they wouldn't let right. me leave anyway. Right. And so I delayed things for a long time because I was adamant that they could find an ultrasound machine so they could scan and check. Mm -hmm. which they, it took them, I don't know, about six hours to do so. So I did start labour, but I wasn't very far. I um, see. I mean, people I was, do birth breach, don't they? It's not unheard of. I actually, I actually took a birthing book in with me, which had a picture mm -hmm. of a woman giving birth to a breech baby. Yeah. Um, I, because I thought if I showed them that, but because of how they behaved towards me, I, I, was, I was just too scared to show them that picture. Uh, right. they, they weren't listening then and I thought no. if I show them the book although mm -hmm. I didn't mention it and I was given the well that, that summer I'll start another person so you were seen as a troublemaker and you didn't want that when people are supposed to be looking after you obviously you don't want them yeah and I you know I hadn't been in hospital since I was seven 21 years prior um yeah. so I 
didn't know there's the hallways and the corridors and how to leave. You know? <laughs> and that's yeah. really stupid. What do you think back? No, you? it doesn't. No, how awful. And was your husband with you? Or? Yes, he was. Yeah. And because I've been he told I wasn't allowed to leave. Yeah. Um, when he went to get my bag from the car, I thought, oh, maybe if I follow him. But it was a locked system, so we would have been. We had to ring to be let out and to be let in again. And I just, I was too scared to risk being questioned. Of course. No, totally understandable. And that's saying something, because if you were trained in assertiveness, I'm sure you're quite feisty compared to most women going in. And if you were scared of the sort of authority and the bullying ways, it can happen to us all. And it, really it's, 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 it, it can happen to anyone, because I, I think the trouble with when, when you're pregnant is that because you do become naturally more vulnerable and the vulnerability is quite simple because you're carrying your baby and you want the best for your baby you don't want yeah. anybody to you don't want to risk you don't want to take risks and yeah, you want the course. best for that baby um yeah. and there's always the risk of social services getting involved oh, and that, you know. so you, you don't you wanted to keep yeah you know, i wanted to keep all that absolutely so away. how did you how did you see the nhs on what grounds what did you say well you... i when I, I was forced to sign the consent form, the pen was put into my hand and was put on top of the consent form. And I was obviously in quite a bad way about it afterwards. And I spoke to Beverly Beach from Ames. And when I told her what had happened, she said, my God, that makes me so angry. And she yeah. was the first person I spoke to who got me and made me feel that I wasn't going crazy because mm -hmm. I was having flashbacks and nightmares and um. uncontrollable shakes. And, you know, finding myself waking up in tears. I could be in the dark and I was just crying. So wow. she told me various aspects of what had happened to me were assault. I didn't want a vaginal examination. I was told I had no choice and they were done. That was indecent oh. assault. And it still is indecent assault. So I was very fortunate because when I went to the police station, I was treated with great kindness. I said I didn't think I could cope with seeing a man and was told we don't have to see a man. Um, and they took me seriously. They had to ask questions that they thought were a little, weren't very nice, and they would explain first of all why they were asking them. And mm -hmm. ultimately, we had to go privately because Crown Prosecution Service accepted that an assault had taken place, but because it was in a hospital, it was unlikely to reach a successful prosecution. Okay. Wow. So... That just, yeah, not so just, hey? No. And all I really wanted was an acknowledgement from the hospital of what they had sure. done, why it was wrong, an apology, and mm -hmm. what were they going to do to ensure it didn't happen to another woman? That's what I wanted. Yeah. Uh, I ended up having to take a legal route. Okay. So thank you for being the trailblazer that did that because I'm sure they thought twice about it doing that again to somebody. They did. Their cesarean section rate halved. That's amazing. Yeah. That's wonderful. So I think it's fair to say that's what kind of inspired you to become a doula, right? To protect other women. It was. It, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think in the early days I saw myself somewhat as a, I'm going to say the knight in shining armour. I, I just was so Heroine. protective. Yeah. yeah. Which now I don't do because now I realise why that was wrong. But my motive at the time was driven by ensuring I didn't want any other woman to go yeah. through what I've been through. I still no, don't. I completely get it. I mean, that's what's inspired this for birthing. Not that I, thankfully, have had a traumatic experience, but I hear so many. I think, no, it doesn't have to be that way. This is so unfair. I want to stop that trauma from happening. But you, yeah, you've also, you, you've worked on yourself and come a long way because when I first met yeah. you and, and you were seriously considering an elective cesarean okay. section and... <laughs> You, you were terrified, uh, absolutely terrified. And you were open, though. You listened and you were prepared to explore your feelings and where you were coming from. And because you had that openness, you were able to see that, yes, birth could be scary, but it didn't have to be scary. Mm. And, and yeah. you found your support mechanisms. Oh, well, thank God I met you. But, yeah, I think my saving grace was being open-minded and mm. willing to work on myself yeah I think that's yep. the only difference between me and someone else was like okay it was more when I started seeing things from the baby's perspective actually that I thought no I've got to 
woman up and get on with this because if it's so much better for the baby and you just kept you know leaving little bits of information lying around so I, I'd read an article and go hmm, okay. <laughs> so it slowly the seeds grew and grew and grew um so Caroline you do quite a lot of pre and post doula care but for the purposes of this podcast I wanted to focus on where what you see your role as in the actual birth space on the day or days in some cases like with my second it took quite a while to get him out um what do you see your role as it's it does it does depends on what the couple are looking for um mm. because sometimes it, it's it's really very active it's making the cups of tea and coffee it's making sure the birthing that the, the father if it's the father is there is looked after so that they know that they can do what they need to do um mm -hmm. and, and often i hate being stereotypical but for a lot of men there's a need to be doing and yeah. so giving them the, the right subtle things to be doing so they're not irritating the laboring woman or making her feel stressed and that can i say that can be anything from making a cup of tea to getting the bursting pool ready how is he massaging her because sometimes they're so keen and desperate to massage and they don't quite get it right because once yeah. a woman's in labor her sensitivity is so different mm -hmm. so i'll gently yeah. show him I'll breathe mm -hmm. along with mum. Sometimes it's just sitting quietly in a corner and beaming confidence. Other times it's, you know, do, do they need me to be showing the midwives what the birthing plans are first of all so that there's, that there's absolute clarity about their needs and expectations. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's, it's moving between the birthing room and where the midwives are stationed if the midwives are in a different room, which yeah. can happen. Um, through the little things that we've discussed, like, do you want candles? Do you want essential oils? And if labor, sometimes labor doesn't give us time to get all of those, and sometimes it does. Mm -hmm. Photographs. What what records do you want keeping? Yeah. So the role the role can be really really varied because it, it is down to what each mum stroke couple wants and needs. Um, yeah. Thinking about you know putting the birthing a bag together in case she needs to go to hospital or having. A bag of things together that if you need a clean pair of knickers or a sanitary towel that easily to hand yeah favorite drinks nourishing substances um and yeah. i do like to lead you know le leading up to we, we could maybe practice some rebozo techniques using a shawl to sift or different forms of massage and wear on the body yeah um yeah, just to give sorry mm -hmm. keep going no, no, I mean, sometimes it's, it's, you know, labor reaches a certain stage whereby it's keeping your hand in the right shape in the small of the back mm -hmm. and just gently, gently kneading away if that's needed. Um, and helping, helping to use the birthing space, because some women want to be active. For some women, it's being very quiet and still. For others, it's, there's lots of movement is required or they need to be moving around. And you can still be in a hypnotic state moving around. You can be rapping or drumming. So it's just yeah. letting them know that whatever they're doing, if it feels good, is great. Yeah, I have to say, I think you're really good at just picking up on the cues that that couple want. Like for us, or for me in particular, I really um, needed peace and for hands off. Mm. I'm sure you remember in the three birth. So um, you were really good at just making sure that everything was peaceful, the environment, and that my mum, for example, took care of Luca when I was having Marley. That was um, yes. at home. And... Yeah. Just gonna just go through a few of the things you did. Well, the first birth, we ended up having to go to hospital because there was meconium in the water. And I say had to go. We didn't. You actually said we don't have to go. Um, but I did because it was my first baby. And, and thankfully, they left us to it, didn't they? But because you yeah. were there, it gave me the strength to actually say to the hospital and nursing staff, do you know what? We'll call you. Don't call us. Like we're doing our thing. We don't want all these monitors on our, on me because they put some stuff on my tummy and it just annoyed Luke. He kept kicking it off and it annoyed me because I was stuck to being in that area. Yeah. But when you I told me that. I could politely decline, I did. And you also said I could decline vaginal examinations, which was a revelation to me because I thought my body wasn't my own. I thought kind of the hospital owned it when we entered it. Um, so it was really nice to have that. Just those small things, but they make such a difference to know, no, I can do whatever I want. And um, when I decided sitting on the toilet was the most comfortable position, you let me do that, and it was fine. It was good you told me to get up eventually, because I think I would have had him on the toilet. But 
we made it a few steps further and I was born on the floor when I was standing up but you know it was all it was all really good and um you've also helped me with Mar the second one Marley it was a 44-hour labor and it was just simple things like realizing that I suddenly had felt really under pressure because it was going on for so long. I was getting messages yes. on Facebook. My mum was there. Everyone was like, when is this baby coming? And mm -hmm. you actually said, you know yes. what? Everybody go home. Leave her alone. Yes. And then it kicked in when I was on my own and you even went home. And I thought, thank you, God, for taking that pressure off. So it was actually very, you know, it's incredibly sensitive and insightful to see that I needed that space. You were being watched, you were being watched yeah. so much, and it, and it was just too much for you. It was, and there was just this, yeah, it's a shy hormone oxytocin, isn't it? And when it feels like yeah. threatened to perform, it can't do it. Um, and then when you came back, and it was just you and I for quite a while, because I really was scared of scaring the contractions away with more people coming in, you said, I'm not sure the baby's in the right position. So you helped me spin a little bit and put my back against the wall and we got into certain positions. And shortly yes. afterwards, he was born, like within an hour of that. So you definitely helped me with spinning him, I think, because once Marley was born, it was quite clear to everyone in the room that he was back to back. Um, yes. Because he had a huge ridge across his forehead and bloodshot eyes that <laughs> didn't go away for two weeks, bless him. <laughs> so, um, he was having a hard time getting in the right position, but you helped me get him in the right position. And you and needed that time, you know, you, you needed that time for him to be able to manoeuvre to get yeah. to where he needed to be to get born. Yeah. Yeah, really did. It is hard. And whenever I get to that point of I can't do this, which is at the very, very end, you know, you and Bradley were always there holding my hands and saying the right things, you know, like you're beautiful, you're amazing, you can. It's soon yes. going to be over. And I was like, really? Because I want to swap bodies with someone. <laughs> um, <laughs> And sure enough, and even simple techniques like, okay, you know, you're hyperventilating now, put your shoulders down, you know, just yeah. gentle reminders. I was like, am I? Are my shoulders up? And you're like, yeah, you know, put them down and open your jaw and breathe more calmly. It was just amazing. I think at one of the births, you just gave me a big hug and told me I was beautiful and wonderful. And it just made such a difference. Having another woman who's been there uh, look into your eyes and give you that reassurance. I was like, okay, I've got this. If she thinks yeah. I've got this, I've got this. Um, you were also a camera woman at one of the births, weren't you? At Soraya's doing underwater filming. Yeah, um, that was that was extraordinary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, your gifts come in many, <laughs> many guises. Um, the births where I've had two cameras, and then I used to have a camera, um, a case on my mobile phone, so I could have my mobile hanging out of my mouth. By the, mm. the, it's covering and then two different cameras to be at different angles because that's what parents wanted <laughs> right. I'm not a very good camera <laughs> it is, yeah it's quite something it's one thing throwing homeopathic remedies down a woman's throat and some essential oils but then being a camera woman as well it's a bit much I yeah, don't throw I drop <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah you they really it is all those extra little things, isn't it? It's a touch on the shoulder. I remember I spoke in German yeah. to you. You oh, did. My German isn't brilliant, but you just suddenly went, oh, I know this. Oh. It's familiar. And that familiarity. Yeah. yeah, to me, those are the things that really stand out. It's not really the homeopathic remedies or the lovely essential oils that were in the pool. It was more the just the gentle, very subtle things where I was like, oh, yeah, that's nice. Um, and the other thing I'm forever grateful for is, again, with the second birth, when the midwives stormed in after we'd given birth to Marley, yes. um, they were very grabby with him because they were freaking about his colour, even though he was fine. He was very colourful and very loud, wasn't he? They kept rubbing yes. him down with one of the horrible towels that I had for the floor and I had the fluffy towels somewhere else, but they, they took the rough towels to... Um, clean him and I was really distressed I wanted him and you immediately got him back for me when I said I want my baby back and then they were really trying to pull the placenta out of my bits do you remember yes in the bathroom and it was quite aggressive and again you were my lioness in that situation you said please can everyone get out she doesn't want you in here she wants to do this calmly with the baby breastfeeding and it will come out when it's ready but pulling it was actually dangerous it could have caused a hemorrhage and it was absolutely yeah. really invasive so it was really wonderful to have you there even though the baby had been born 
the midwives were, you know, I needed someone to protect me from them. <laughs> oh, and ironically, they were traumatized afterwards. They came back three days later saying they felt traumatized because I didn't welcome them into the birthing space. And I kind of told them off about the placenta. And I was like, well, I'm sorry, again, because I had your backup. That's not how it was. You know, we called you, you didn't come. And then when you did eventually come, you were quite aggressive and that's not cool. No, they, they were. And, I, you know, I was so grateful for my training and assertiveness to be able to remain calm. And in fact, I engaged, and some of the things I do, I engaged Bradley's help because obviously Brad, being the father of the, the baby, had immense rights. And it, that's the kind of thing that I can do with dads that really make them feel like the silverback gorilla. I can yeah. give them a few words to say so that they then go and do the protective support. Um, and yeah, so then, then I was able to be, take the midwives out to where you wanted them to be so that he didn't leave your side. But protecting the birthing space, Chrissy, that's the, the more I do, and, and if I'm jumping ahead too soon, please say so. I, wow. I feel passionate about protecting the birthing space. Whether the mum wants the most high tech birth ever with all the machines that go bing. And if that's mm -hmm. what works for her, her oxytocin will flow. Or if she's in the middle of a tent, in the middle of a field, it doesn't matter. It's keeping that space so that her hormones flow and her body can do its job. And when the baby is born, it's protecting the mother-baby bond so that, mm -hmm. again, that baby knows. When, when babies are taken away from mums, if I can't send the dad, I'll go with the baby. So that yeah. somebody's with mum, somebody's with baby, always because that baby also has rights and that baby needs to know what's going on and that somebody's there supporting it. I, I feel, but ideally that everyone shuts up once baby's born because you can quietly observe. Mm -hmm. You can very quietly observe to make sure that mum's okay and that she isn't bleeding. Yeah. But just leave her to, to, to get to know her newborn, leave her to hold and to smell and to stroke. Yeah, it's just so good. I think they're calling it the golden hour now, aren't they? That it's so imperative for the bond yeah. that you're left alone together. Well, and, with and, the dad. And it helps, and it helps with the release of the placenta. When, when a woman's been interfered with and poked and prodded and stupid things are said to her that undermine her during her labour, that, that disrupts the flow of hormones. And then when there's all the prodding and the poking, and we're going to check your parts now, dear, do you mind, if she's lucky to get a do you mind, yeah. then it, it right. interferes the whole, until the placenta's born, the birth is still in progress. The birth yeah. is still happening. Mm -hmm. And that mother needs to be quietly with her baby doing a natural maternal bonding. So I, I yeah, you can tell from how I'm talking about it. I, I, it's, it makes such a difference. Who gets to know the baby first? The transfer of bacteria between mum and baby are crucial for the baby's gut health. And mm -hmm. just love them and let them be. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so instinctive, like you said, a birthing mother or just after birth. Our, you know, sensitivities are so heightened. So even your baby being taken away by a midwife to quickly wash them or whatever, it makes you freak out. You're like, give me my baby back right now. But yeah. you, you feel like you sound like a psycho voicing that but you really feel under threat. Um, and I guess, you know, for the baby, it must be awful as well if you could actually remember that because, you know, just inside your mother, you want to be with your mother. You don't want to be taken away. Mm. Um, what are your most memorable births that you yeah. attended and why? Why were they so memorable? <laughs> well, your, your, yours are, are extraordinarily memorable. Um, <laughs> and they're, they're memorable because, A, just the whole honour of, being able to work with you and just um, and because of feeling a part of the birthing team and when you gave me feedback afterwards I, I felt that I had doulaed for you um always that so many births are memorable for so many different reasons and sometimes you know I'm I know this sounds really wishy-washy sometimes you don't remember a birth for a long time then you bump into the woman and mm -hmm. it's, it's just as if you're back in her birth space again um wow. Sometimes it's the births that teach you that are really memorable. Um, with one lady, she was adamant about birthing in hospital because that's what she knew. Her parents were pediatricians. Mm -hmm. And she was so relaxed that she had an episiostomy of one tooth without pain relief. Wow. That's the, that's the power of the mind. Yeah. And then 
and then women who are v-backing at home and they're so into them themselves which is exactly how it should be for them and mm. when they I remember one woman suddenly she's just this, this, this little mm. and I looked at her and she went heads out and she wow. just turned around she went, and she didn't want the midwives that that's the kind of thing that's often memorable is I have brilliant memories with some fantastic midwives where it's been all women working with women and the woman mm. power is, is phenomenal so, wow. but I, I can't say I suppose my own daughter's birth in some ways will always pop out because she wanted her mother not a doula. And I really, I really only knew how to doula. Uh, and she shouted at me because I got the camera out. No camera! <laughs> As I was just being born. I was like, ah! <laughs> Oh, what a shame. Yeah, it's a yeah. lovely memory to have. Yeah. But I, I'd read about so many midwives and doulas being very nervous about being with their daughters because of the mm -hmm. emotional bond. And I have huge gratitude that I am a doula because I was able to go back into that doula space. Yeah. To, because again, the midwife only just made it on time with the second baby. And in fact, if she, she could have birthed that baby ages, probably even before they, well, just when they first made the phone call for, the, for a midwife, she was so fast. Mm. Women Amazing. do extraordinary things during their labours. They'll suddenly snap and tell you what they want, or they'll, they'll suddenly <laughs> jump into a position, and yeah. you go, how did they manage that? Because um, mm -hmm. um, that's a very long way of saying that are, you know, I've been at some amazing caesareans and I've been at some... They're really all memorable. Yeah. So they are all memorable. It's How many do you think existed now? It's over 250 baht. Wow, that's super cool. That's amazing. I hope that's I can do that privilege. one day. Oh, I hope you do. It's such an honour. Yeah, it must be amazing. How do you think the way in which a woman gives birth can affect and impact her life? That's a bit of a heavy philosophical one but do you think it can affect an impact yes um yes i read a long time ago that when when you're going to lally tap and losing your memory dementia sets in that you still <laughs> remember your birth do mm -hmm. I, you know, I say do lally tap these days hey oh it's a great way to do i tell you <laughs> you just, <laughs> just be. but no it's, it, I, I read decades ago that so it's been known for decades that we remember our births and so one of the things I absolutely love a I, I love it when women forget that I was there and they talk about the birth with their partner and what they did and what they achieved because mm -hmm. I feel that that that's how it should be I just quite happily slip into the background um, but then yeah. a woman contacted me two weeks ago I joke not um, mm -hmm. from I hadn't been with her because we were 200 miles apart but I supported her throughout the birth and she'd phoned me and she had oh, wow. an amazing She'd had an amazing V-back and she'd never forgotten it. And she'd found my details. But so that's how important it is. This, this woman had had a difficult birth with her twins and then had a beautiful home birth with her singleton. And she felt so much stronger and, I hate mm -hmm. the word empowered, but she, so when, when women birth on their terms, even if the birth doesn't go how they planned, because they're making the choices and the decisions, because they're being loved and respected, they come through the birth as, as yeah. warrior women you, and, they, and therefore their confidence to parent their children as they feel is right for them hasn't been impacted. It's, it's been enforced, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say, I just feel that, you know, it's such a cliche, but a mother is born when the baby's born. If you've done yes. it yes. and empowered, like you said, not a great word, but, you know, in a way that you've honoured your sovereignty and the baby's one and yes. just find the strength within you and this power that you never had before or never knew you had um and yeah when you're challenged in life with i don't know toddler tantrums or sleepless nights or silly thing financial trouble whatever you're hit with in life you think okay i can do this like mm -hmm. i i gave birth i you know i can do anything it gives you that feeling doesn't it of this like x factor almost yes it, it does and it's um because i can remember I, I used to be a standing joke that we would go to a place called play zone had a very high steep slide and I, and I was really terrified to go over it i knew one day i would have to and i stand back and go i have a cesarean i've given birth i've got nothing to prove 
And then one day I was with a very young single mum. We've been supporting her. And she just, she went over the top. And I went, oh, if she can do it, I've given birth. I can do it. It's, yeah. It's great. It's, 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 it. And I've enjoyed, you know, when women are taught, if they don't know, that you can enjoy your labour. You can enjoy giving birth. Mm-hmm. It's, um, if you want it to be a drama, you'll make it a drama. Yeah. But if you, if you believe that you can, you can giggle in between surges, contractions, whatever you want to call them. And I, mm-hmm. and I think that that's really important. And to me, the other thing is I always say to women, when you're in labor, it's all about you. It's not about anybody else. It's all about you. That's your time and your space to be as you need to be. I don't yeah. care what you say or do as long as it's <laughs> what you want. That's so yes I've, had, yes, I've had my ears pulled and I've been called a few things, but I just, <laughs> I just, I say to women, you know, if you shout or you scream, I, I will love you even more. So sometimes mm-hmm. you get the quietest of women that can't imagine saying boost or goose and they'll suddenly let out one almighty, ah! <laughs> and I'm looking, that's great, but next time Kitty go, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Purely because it, it, your surge will be so much more effective and you'll find that, you know, it opens yeah. up. So <laughs> you really are the, the most intimate times. Yes, it's absolutely brilliant. I remember again with Marley trying to get him out, there was this annoying noise and then I eventually realised it was me doing that mooing thing. <laughs> you about. I was just like, what is that? That's very distracting. Stop that noise. And I was like, oh, it's me. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's when the soprano becomes the bass. It's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That is what happened. It's hilarious. Mm. Oh. So it must be pretty amazing to witness those kind of births when you've helped a woman like me transform from complete fear to just complete trust, really. Um, mm. How does it feel? It must make you keep wanting to do it forever and ever, doesn't it? Yeah, it does actually. Even when I've had 10, ten months on standby, I, I'm, what I am learning to do is to actually look after myself and to take time out um, because that's, that's really important so that I'm properly rested and fully there for the next woman I'm, I'm privileged to support. Yeah. But it's, yeah, the thing, I always call it the first face. When baby's face first appears, um there's there's something about that face and you can often see if this is a new soul or, or an old soul just yeah. that first squidge that appears yeah it's how do you that was one of my things i was going to ask like from a baby's point of view mm-hmm. why do you think it is so important to have a peaceful conscious birth my my experience from my observations is a calmness because unfortunately for mum and for baby if if women are anxious if they're in a place of fear those hormones are going through the baby as well and Mm. when she's able to to relax and to trust and knows that she's got a birth team around her who are there for her and she's able to go those hormones it also means that she can be in a much better position. So it's the old thing, keep her off her pelvis or mm-hmm. on her side if she wants to be lying down so the pelvis can open up fully. So baby's not having to push her further apart, push themselves out. So mm-hmm. it, it makes for, you know, babies are meant to be born vaginally. And I, I accept obviously some babies do need to be born by cesarean. So when they follow the normal birth, the way in which they're meant to be birthed, they get all that massaging and squeezing. They, they get all the signals for their bodies to be ready to work mm-hmm. and to function. And, and when you have a very gentle birth and baby comes under their own steam, they often come out, they're very quiet. They yeah. don't have to come out screaming. Um, and you can see a baby who is really so alert, their eyes open and mm-hmm. it's extraordinary and yeah. you watch the eyes and they're looking around they're looking around they're following sound and they're not turning blue they're they're pinking up so you know that they're you can see that they're breathing so they yeah. don't have to and the other thing i've also noticed have to say is that if you don't cut the cord until the placenta has been born 
-hmm. or if you cut the cord when it's so limp it's cold babies yeah. don't move if you cut the cord whilst there's still blood flowing they jerk or they scream you'll always see a reaction wow. oh that's interesting Didn't yeah I, th I, th I thought that was my imagination for a long time um i've spoken with many more doulas and midwives since yeah and it's not that's wow. the the initial flow of blood may they may get the most within it's said within the first five minutes but there's still a transfer going on and that Amazing. transfer can take 20 30 minutes sometimes yeah. it's done within a couple of minutes it's mm. that's how uniquely individual we all are yeah so yeah, even that Keeps them calm. That's really interesting. Yeah, one of my babies, you weren't there for that one in Spain, he was born asleep. <laughs> Didn't even wake up. <laughs> you were chilled out. You were so like, Are you all right? He didn't even open his eyes. He just breastfed asleep. And I was like, right, okay. I hope he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a very chilled out birth. I have to say it was a lovely one. Um, they all were, but that was particularly lovely. Um, do you think society would be different if every woman had a supported birth experience? Or do you think it doesn't really matter? Like, because I think there've been some studies now where they've looked long-term, you know, the more and more sections, the more and more that's happened and how maybe, you know, a lot of the mums have suffered from postnatal depression and not being able to produce milk well and the bonding and. Yeah. Or, I, or think think the, I think the, I I, th I think there's so much at stake because you, even from when women conceive and how mm. they're treated and still that lack of support and love and suddenly a woman can go from being, say, a really high-powered job to suddenly she's pregnant and she's treated as if she's got a completely different brain and yeah. not treated with the same respect. And that inability to be able to take a proper maternity leave Mm -hmm. it's it's and i know it's got to affect it does it, it yeah. does affect and because the other thing also of course is disempowerment so when you're bullied and treated with a lack of respect and put down you will then do the same to somebody else who you perceive to be weaker because that's your way of feeling strong mm -hmm. and you see that throughout society in so many different ways and forms uh, which is why it's just so lovely when you've got really experienced midwives who are totally chilled about a woman who doesn't want them to even say hello to her and are able mm -hmm. to just sit and quietly observe because yeah. they beam respect. But as soon as you get the midwife that's saying, oh, it's been four hours now, dear, and we need to do a VE. Um, yeah, protocol. Yeah. Uh, protocol. And protocols, of course, are only that. They're not legally enforceable. So mm. that's that whole infantilizing of a woman during pregnancy and childbirth is yeah. not acceptable it's yeah. it's i wouldn't i don't treat my own children in that way why on earth would you treat a woman because she's in labor yeah. in that well, way. i think so we're yeah. away, we, from that paradigm where it's very misogynistic and patriarchal and um yeah it needs to become a more feminine loving space where you're nurtured and supported like you said mm -hmm. even if that's and just holding space and it's lovely being able to nurture. It's just, yeah. it's just fantastic. You, you can nurture it and you can be. And I think that's one of the really beautiful things with, with labour, where women have chosen their birth support, chosen what they want, they've got the open mind for the flexibility, is that they can then go into their labour knowing that what will be, will be. And mm -hmm. so it, it's, it, it allows them to let everything flow and yeah. to, to state their needs occasionally, or you know it's in the birthing plan, you, you can quietly whisper, is this what you want? Or just sit back and let them get on and birth and respect them. And, and yeah, so you've respected a woman throughout her birth and she takes that forwards. Yeah, absolutely. So, so important. Mm. Um, I just wanted to quickly ask you, um about the benefits of placenta encapsulation because i know you obviously do that oh. um in all kinds of ways the encapsulation of raw smoothies and cooking placentas mm. why could you just tell us what the benefits are? yeah i i used to think it was a bit new hippie new age and then the women i was serving as a doula were having their placentas encapsulated and 
Mm. Who am I to disbelieve what they're telling me? Which, which again, you know, thank you, women, for teaching me. I'm, I'm always, always grateful. Women teach me so much. Um, so when you give birth, your placenta is rich in stem cells, and we still don't know all the possibilities. But what I do say to people is that human placental membranes are used in eye surgery for healing because they oh. heal the surgery really rapidly, and they will have been sterilized unto death. So if a woman has a raw smoothie, she's getting over 17 hormones. She's getting one and a half times the amount of iron that there is in the equivalent size of beef. It's wow. completely, I know, it's completely bioavailable. Plus all the B group vitamins, plus vitamin A and E, and then a whole host of minerals. So she's nourishing herself. And what mm -hmm. she's doing is putting back into her body what the body has been giving to the baby. We lose about 10% of our minerals when we have a baby, which is why mm -hmm. nutrition is so, so, so important, especially if we're going to have lots of babies close together, because mm -hmm. otherwise we don't remineralize, and, and you see it in, in structural appearance. So for mm -hmm. the mother to nourish herself with her placenta, it means that women, they stop bleeding, and they bleed far less. So often from six weeks down to three weeks and a much lighter flow, they their energies are better. So women who don't have their placenta the first time, but do the second time, by the time you've got two or three children, you, you know how busy you are. But they, mm -hmm. send, they, they, they come back together, they, they, they become grounded. And yeah. lots, their, their milk often comes in quicker. I've seen milk come in within 24 hours. Amazing at bringing milk. Or if, the baby's suddenly going through a growth spurt and you think you don't have enough. You pop a few of those and you suddenly have plenty again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've had mums who've had se severe postnatal depression. They don't get postnatal depression. They don't, their, their asthma improves. That's fantastic. And there's been quite a few women who will come back and say that they have, for example, lupus and other autoimmune conditions. And those conditions improve whilst they're taking their capsules. Wow. That's great. So and it can even help you with your periods, can't it? And menopause. If yep, you've got you can left. That's <laughs> <laughs> because I love this so much. Your placenta can keep giving. Make a tincture. Yeah. Use it for times of hormonal upheaval. It's, it's fantastic. Um, mm. And although in the UK we can't suggest that you use it on your children, there are specialists in America and Australia who have written about using it for their children when they're ill. It helps mm. with their immune systems. I've used my daughter's tincture during my menopause, and it certainly helped with some of the hot flushes. Oh, um, great. What I found really, really effective is, is to use um, Placenta Humanum, which is a homeopathic preparation. So I will make homeopathic remedies for mum and baby with just a teensy amount of placenta, and mm -hmm. then they can reorder those. And um, so coughs, colds, snots, repeated illnesses, anxiety, Difficulty in transitioning, transition from the breast to solids, going to nursery, going to stay with granny, starting mm. school, mm. grief and mourning. Um, in right. my menopausal state, I sometimes I, I just go off, I talk about going off with the fairies. I'm, I'm totally ungrounded and I'll suddenly mm -hmm. realise that I'm, I'm, I need to put my feet back on the earth. And so I, I'll take a placenta remedy. And it wow. Really, <laughs> I know, it really does ground me and I've become much more productive again I'm no that's productive with my last placenta we just buried it in the jungle here on a piece of land oh, we bought because <laughs> we had no one who would make anything from it and because we're vegan I was like oh no I can't have it raw that makes me feel sick but you used to do the um, encapsulations for me, but as no one was here, oh, I could do with it because I'm only about eight years away from the menopause and I'm quite scared of it. I just have to have another baby and get you over here. That'll be my solution. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yay. <laughs> but the jungle sounds amazing. Yeah. You know, placentas give off energies. They really, sometimes when I'm working with a placenta, I can, because I don't always meet the mums. Um, they book my services and I have that okay. joy of meeting a dad and I'm the first mm -hmm. person that he's met after the birth and when it's a new yeah. dad I'm like the big I'm like the big grandma you have to give them a cuddle and just let them <laughs> breathe um but sometimes I can I can feel how a birth has gone and depending on 
how close I am to the woman, I may ask her about her birth. Wow. Um, just to confirm. That's really cool. Yeah. As a side note, I'd just like to say when Ray was born, my fourth, three and a half years ago, yeah. Caroline showed the three boys we had the placenta, which they loved. I mean, one of them was going ill, but the others were really fascinated. She showed them all the different layers and the veins. And um, <laughs> yeah, they thought it was absolutely fascinating. And it, it, it is fascinating. It is. And it's huge. I, you know, I was really surprised by how big they are. They're nearly as big as the baby. Um, how are we supposed to store them, you know, before they, people bring it to you? Because I've frozen mine and I've sometimes kept it just in the fridge. What's the ideal way to keep it? Okay, so be, if, um, if, if you're present at the birth or you've got somebody who's really lovely there, then you can, um, to make it for you, then you rinse off the placenta. It needs to be put in the fridge quite quickly. Um, we say within half an hour of its birth. And if you're engaging with services of a placenta specialist, then we provide a chill pack. And right. because it, it normally, uh, it, we used to have a lot longer time scales, but we are now involved with environmental health officers. And in fact, where there is no infection at all, then a placenta mm. can be kept at room temperature for up to 20 hours before any pathogenic bacteria can multiply okay but but by getting it chilled down to eight degrees or less within four hours of its birth makes it much much safer for the mum um so you can make smoothies and and smoothies are made with loads of fruit so that you don't taste the placenta okay and i do have a lot of vegan clients who will have a smoothie you really can't taste it it doesn't taste like liver or you know really irony no no, no if, you taste of okay. iron, if you taste of iron, I haven't done a good enough job. So I need to okay. add more banana or guava or whatever your fruits of choice mm-hmm. are. Um, and then, yeah, use it within three days. And if you haven't used it within three days, then put it in the freezer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what sometimes parents, parents will do is they'll, they'll chop up, they'll, we call it chunking, but they'll chop up the placenta in small pieces and freeze yeah. it. And then mum will take pieces whenever she needs them. Okay. And you can make your powder from the frozen placenta as well as from a raw one? Yes, you or, can because you, you, you yeah. defrost the placenta slowly okay. and then you can dehydrate it and grind it. I don't know if I've ever told you our story. It was so disgusting with our third, Jessie, when we were in Spain because I wanted mm-hmm. to have what you made, but there was no one in Spain that would do it. So I was like, okay, it's all right. We'll put it in the, fr- now we kept it raw, I think. And then on day three or something, I started chopping it up and putting it in the D, what's it called? The D, dehydrator. The mm-hmm. Oh, dear God. Right. And, but this was after having to boil it first. Well, it was supposed to be steam, but I boiled it. So it was like this leather bag. Oh, yeah. yeah. Then I chopped it. I felt like Hannibal the Cannibal. We were vegetarian then, but it was still gross. I was gagging and, you know, putting all the oh. blood clots off. It was just like, eh. and I was watching this American woman on YouTube, like, hail the placenta, it's amazing. And I was there going, <laughs> very un-mother um, going to my husband, you should do this. I gave birth to the baby. You do this. This is sick. And he was like, no way in hell am I doing that. So then I was chopping oh. it up put it in the dehumidifier. When that was eventually crisp like bacon, as the YouTube channel described, we then had to grind it, but we didn't really have a grinder. So Bradley bought a coffee grinder in a cheap Chinese shop, which is like their supermarket equivalent. Yes. And oh my God, it burnt the battery out. So then the smell was this burnt metal smell and organ meat smell. It was rank. Oh. And um, it was still a bit raw. It wasn't quite cooked. And then it just ended up sitting in the fridge and we didn't have the actual capsules for some reason. Mm-hmm. We didn't order those. So I never used it. I didn't put it in a powder in my smoothie, but it was such a funny experience doing it because we had a 15 year old work experience girl who'd actually <laughs> witnessed the birth as well. She must have thought we were mental. I kept home to say to her, Emily, this is not what we do in our normal life, chopping up the center and grinding it. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it was grim. So I take my hat off to you for cooking them, and I'm sure it's not as gross as what I've described when you do it, but it wasn't. And, and, and also, you have to dehydrate them until they are so dry that they, they right. you, you do a snap test, so it's really crispy. And yeah, no, it wasn't enough. No, no, you, you hadn't. And also, you don't store the percent, you don't store the powder in the fridge because that uh, becomes moist, and then yes, 
it got really like fungly and I was like oh lord of every course, time I print, I'd kind of try and look away and go like oh god it's you again no that's not gonna happen <laughs> so definitely good to go with someone who's done a course on this <laughs> don't definitely. do it yourself and, and it's just such a shame that, that you, you weren't able to keep a tiny piece of some of the powder to get back to me because I could have made you well, have your remedies. Yeah, no, really annoying that I screwed that one up and the latest one. Well, she's marked our land here in Costa Rica at least. I'm sure we put a oh, tree on top. Oh, well, that's fabulous. That's fabulous. There, oh. there, are cultures, there are cultures that vary the centre and a boy will go in one place and the girls will go in another as, as part, yeah. of their, part of their culture and honouring the, the presenter. Hmm. But yeah, yeah it's, um, I, I recently uh, encapsulated for another specialist and that was probably the most nerve-wracking ever because she's such a beautiful woman and pure soul. And I knew I wouldn't get it wrong, but you, you suddenly think, oh, I'm doing this for somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> but I, do, I love it when mums have their presenters and there's a load of midwives now who are on board with it. And they get very excited when they know mum's going to have a placenta. So they obviously know because they must see the benefits and they hear from mums. Yeah. About how well so they did we, did we in the past eat our placentas in the Stone Ages or tribal days? I, I think we would have done. I really do. Yeah. Um, and I certainly know there are parts of Germany where there was a tradition of eating placentas. We know from traditional Chinese medicine, they've used dehydrated placenta for thousands of years. Uh -huh. And some years ago, I was back in, uh, well, I was in um, southern Wales. Apologies for my arms, folks. So I was talking to some old men in their late 70s, early 80s about what I do. And they mm -hmm. said to me, yeah, nothing was ever wasted. Mum put everything in a pot. <laughs> oh, God. Brilliant. Yeah. And they talking, talking to a builder recently who's in his 70s. And he suddenly became very quiet when I told him about what I do. And he yeah. said... I was born in Newham Hospital in London. Yeah. Mum had no money. It was just after the war. Everyone was poor and hungry. The midwives mm -hmm. fed the placenta back to the mums. Brilliant. Well, they're big. They feed you for a while. Yeah. yeah to, find, to find a midwife who could verify that would be absolutely amazing, Chrissy. I would really like yeah. to follow up those histories. Yeah. But the other thing you can do, here we go. When you, once you've dehydrated your placenta... You can heat up oil, choose a beautiful yeah. oil you'd like to put on your skin, um, and put a teaspoon, up to, up to a tablespoon, into the oil and stir it over the warmth for about an hour. And then mm -hmm. you need really fine microns to strain. Uh, and the, and the, the, smaller the, the smaller the holes, the better. And then yeah. that oil is a healing oil. And you can put it directly on your skin, on the baby's nappy area. It heals burns, wow. eczema, rashes. The pharmaceutical industry used to use human placenta extracts yeah. without telling us they were taking our placentas. In New Zealand, they use sheep placenta. In mm -hmm. parts of Japan, there is a company that uses human placenta for healing right. oils and creams. Wow. You see it in face creams sometimes, don't you, and things like that. Yeah. I think. yeah. So it is yeah. amazingly powerful. Hmm. This, this is Very the organ cool. that gets the baby growing and supports its development. So it's it's full. Of, it has wonderful cholesterol and protein. Right, it's, it's so quite a low-fat organ, but um, <laughs> don't let them throw it in the incinerator in hospital or in the bin if you're at home because this thing is Absolutely amazing. Not. It is. No. Otherwise, take it home and bury it. Absolutely. What do you think about, sorry, I know you have to go, but harvesting the, the stem cells, because I did that for the first four, thinking that that was you know, going to set them up for life with a company called Cells for Life from Brighton. But I've since learned that people are saying, no, that blood and all those nutrients, a bit like the placenta nutrients, is better going into the baby. Um, I, rather than... I, I agree with you, actually. It, it is. Yeah. It's, you, you get the occasional phlebotomist who can harvest some blood when there's been delayed cord clamping. But mm -hmm. on the whole, they don't like it because once, once the blood has finished flowing, it coagulates very quickly, so it's very difficult for them to take the stem cells. But okay. ba babies need their blood. And they, there's about a third of the baby's blood still in the placenta at birth. Yeah. So yeah, when exactly. you immediately cut the cord, they're losing a third of their blood volume. That's an awful yeah. lot of I mean, blood. We did it. We let it pulsate, and then we the did. said... 
they managed to harvest it from whatever was left in the placenta. But I'm just wondering now if that blood would have been better left in the placenta for your remedy making. I think for the amount of blood they take, because sadly there's no, this is the, this is the crazy thing. I, so I wax lyrical about the stem cells in the placenta and mum having placenta smoothies so that she's having that hmm. lovely raw stem cells. And we know that even when they've been heated unto death, stem cells are still healing. Right. But we, we don't still have the evidence, and it's really frustrating about how stem cells do help humans. But there is evidence coming up from, oh, crumbs. I think it's a New Zealand doctor, um, vet who uses okay. extracts of placenta impulses, impulses in animals where they have problems with bone growth and where they've mm -hmm. had to cut out bone. They, they're using placenta-infused pulses and bones are regrowing. Wow. Does that mean the blood is still in the placenta when you were saying that? It's, in, there will, obviously there will be a certain amount of blood, but yeah. also when they do stem cell collection, they don't need to take a lot, do they? It's what, 30 no. mils? Yeah, it wasn't much. It's true. So it's, hmm. it's not a huge amount. So no, it's the biggest problem with stem cell collection from a placenta remedy specialist point of view is that somebody else is handling the placenta and we need to know that the placenta went on ice and that it's been handled on a clean surface and it hasn't been contaminated with yeah. any, any other products. And we need to know that right. for the mum's safety. Mm -hmm. so of course. And you add herbs to it and all sorts of things, don't you? To... No, not, not in the preparation. There's, uh, oh, again, okay. like, no, and I might get into trouble for saying this. There's, we used to follow something called traditional Chinese medicine. So we would yeah. steam with ginger, lemon, and chili, but mm -hmm. when I've spoken to, when, when we were doing steam preparation, which means that you've got less nutrients in the, in the fi finished product, but I've yeah. spoken to various people who um, are traditional Chinese medicine practitioners, and they feel that we don't use enough and it's not steamed for long enough for right. it to, to really have any benefit. So I'd say- that Even that makes it easier then. Yeah, no, that's even better. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. It's as with anything in life, the less you process, the better it is. So, yeah, keep it more pure. Okay. And the other quick little tip, um, and yeah. this is an old, old midwifery one. If a woman is hemorrhaging after she's given birth and after the placenta has been born, you take a small mm -hmm. piece of the placenta from the baby's side, the cotyledon, and you put it in her mouth, under her tongue or between her cheek, and the hormones should stem the bleeding. Wow. You know, the first time I heard that was from a friend who'd read a free birthing book because she gave birth during the coronavirus in Scotland and opted for a free birth. And Good she said, I'm worried. Yeah, honestly, she's another trailblazer. But she said, I'm not worried anymore about hemorrhaging because I've read to do that. Exactly what you just said. And I was like, are you sure? Like, put the placenta yeah. on your tongue? And she was like, yeah, apparently mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. um, and it makes sense. I mean, why not? Especially if you see all animals do it pretty much as well, don't they? And they, yeah. you don't hear much of animals bleeding to death afterwards or anything. So, No, well, they haven't been forced, have yeah. they? Their labour hasn't been forced and pushed on. Uh -huh. they, they, they've not had their placenta pulled out of them. Well, maybe they, eating it helps. And, and I'm, to be honest with you, Chrissy, when, when you see how, when, when women talk about how far less they bleed when they've mm -hmm. had, um, when they've eaten their placenta, uh, and how quickly they stop bleeding compared to women that don't. It's, a, it's amazing. Yeah. It's silly not to do it. Why would you not do it? Prevention rather than keeping because, it away? Because our, so many of the hormones are healing hormones. So they're going back into the body and they're helping the body to, to close down and to clamp and to knit. And that's the other thing, you know, the undisturbed time after baby's born with baby on mama's belly and babies move. Babies can crawl up to the breast and I've seen them do that. That all that movement is just pushing down and massaging the uterus and helping it to go back in back to shape and back down to size mm -hmm. and it's helping with the healing. So all of that undisturbed time after yeah. the birth is beneficial for mum as well as for baby. Absolutely. All right, Caroline, I'm gonna let you go because I know you've got an evening planned and I don't want to keep chewing your own book. <laughs> but we can talk no. again, hurrah. <laughs> yeah, what does the world need more of, in your opinion? <laughs> love, love, love. I agree, right? Acceptance. Oh. You know, women, women doing it for themselves. That is just. 
Absolutely. Trust in the body, trust in the body and faith in the uh, were designed to give birth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. and we can have fun in the process. Yes, you really can. And enjoy those breaks. I love those breaks. And yes. where can um, people see more of you? I've got here that you, you're in the doulafilm.com, www.doulafilm.com. That's the one, um, yes. And 60 second doulas, which is a bit brilliant. Old. And um, www.healingkitchen.co.uk. Yes, the-healing-kitchen.co.uk. That will be changing. It's very exciting. I'm finally being branded and awesome. I shall be carolinespear.co.uk but that hasn't happened yet okay I'll let you so know for now, for now they can just go that, to those places and yeah and, and I will and I will keep the healing kitchen live for about five years because I've got so many I make percent of homeopathic remedies and that's on my label and people can come back to me for up to five years later to reorder their remedies Awesome. And Caroline is also on LinkedIn. If you put Caroline Spear in or on Facebook, you'll find her. If you put Placenta Cabin in, lots of ways to find her if you want to pick her brains a little bit further. So thank you so much again, Caroline. That was really brilliant and so informative. And yeah, I just really wanted you on that show because you've got so much experience in so many areas and our listeners got a lot out of that. And I've grown through people like you. Thank you so much. Take care. Love to all the family now. Yeah, you too. Bye. Enjoy your evening. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Hey, beautiful mama. This is Chrissy again. If you want to find out more about me or on how we can work together, just head to my website, which is blissfulbirthing.com. And from there, you can scroll down the page and uh, you'll see the links to my other social media channels on there. And it would be great if you could follow me on there. And can I also ask you a massive favor? Could you rate and review this podcast? Because that way we can help reach more women like you who want to join a nurturing birthing sisterhood like this. And of course, feel free to share this with as many of your pregnant friends as possible. I really hope you enjoy today's episode. Talk soon. (music) 